Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Dadon Tolbert Show. I am your host, Dadon Tolbert. This is a, uh, well, I'll say special edition, but uh, just kind of what we do here every Thursday afternoon as Dadon Advice Lunch Hour. Uh, I say it's, uh, you know, special because we have a special guest here today, uh, and we're going to be talking about something that, you know, you're not used to hearing uh, here on this show uh, on a regular basis, and that's finances. Um, you know, this is tax season. This is um, a time where, there, you know, it's really important to be very financially savvy. It's a very important time for money management, and uh, it's a time where a lot of mistakes are made, a lot of mistakes with taxes and, and, and credit and overspending and, you know, people getting these refunds and, you know, just kind of doing all types of things with it. And so I want to take a little bit of time today to just talk about uh, best practices, uh, do's and don'ts surrounding tax season, but also, you know, you guys who know, you know, you know me and you know uh, this show for being primarily about, uh, you know, dating and relationships, you know, marriages, building, you know, healthy and strong foundations of love. And, you know, one of the things that I've seen over the last, you know, 15, 20 years that I've been kind of in this industry is um, a lot of uh, arguments, a lot of, uh, you know, I do counseling as well, um, you know, couples, the disagreements surrounding finances. And so I just want to take a little bit of time to talk about uh, talk about it from that perspective, talk about, you know, uh, what are some things that couples can do to uh, better communicate about the money, you know, talk a little bit about uh, joint accounts, bank accounts, um, you know, what to do with that refund check, you know, claiming children. I mean, there's so, so much stuff. So uh, to help me do that today, I have a, a special guest um, with Tonia, Evans, and I hope I'm, I'm, I'm pronouncing her uh, her name right. I'm, uh, you know, people are notorious for mispronouncing my, uh, my name. So, uh, but you know, like I said, I'll bring her onto the line in a few minutes, and we will have a good discussion um, about finances. All right, guys. So let's jump right into it. Uh, today's show is brought to you, as always, by my new book, guys. My new book is coming out um, in, in a few months, actually, and it's called Redefining Greatness: The Virtuous Woman's Guide to Love. And it's going to encompass everything that I talk about, you know, everything I've known for, everything you guys are, you know, passionate about in regards to dating relationships, um, that whole uh, genre. So look out for that a little bit later. And uh, in the meantime, go ahead and order your copy of my award-winning novel, The Love We Had in Stores Currently. Um, Next week, real quick, before I uh, jump into today's topic, um, first of all, I want to say thank you to everyone who tuned in to last week's broadcast. Um, that was a fun show for me. Real quick, that was a really fun show uh, discussing Hollywood, discussing uh, specifically African-American women and, and, and how they are being portrayed in the media, portrayed in film, television, and, and music even. So definitely uh, if you missed that particular show, um, you, 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 don't, you do not want to have missed that. Check it out on uh, podcasts, iTunes, uh, everywhere where, Podcasts are made available. All right. Um, and like I said, I'll be back next week with um, you know brand new topics. But today, like I said, I'm very excited to uh, have a special guest, have a little chat with her um, about uh, finances and how they pertain to uh, relationships and just you know being you know healthy money management. So without further ado, I have uh, let me go. Matter of fact, let me. I want to do a proper you know a proper introduction. She's I mean she's a lot of things from what I understand. She'll tell you more about that, but a certified public accountant, uh, a certified fraud examiner, 
certified, uh, certified internal auditor, a certified credit counselor, and uh, so you know that as if that's not enough. She, she obviously she does it all. Uh, Watonia Evans is here today. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, you you do a lot. You're from what I understand, you're very knowledgeable about. Um, just you know, matter of fact, you tell it. Why don't you let everyone know just you know who you are, what you specialize in, and um, we can jump right into it. Oh, absolutely. So I just have a passion for budgeting and saving. It's always been something that I've been interested in since I was a kid. Like I used to count like how many chicken nuggets my mom would give me versus my sister. So that's how I always knew like, okay, love to count. Just I'm really into it. And so um, I have a site called Your Dollar is My Cent. And basically every Tuesday I give out tips. They're like a minute clips on just like things to help people with finances, whether it be credit, whether it be like how to pack a lunch to save money, or even just an article that I've read information should be shared, like about like debt settlement companies. So it's just um, very fun for me. Um, I just enjoy doing this. And I'm also launching um, Your Dollars by Cinch University, which um, are just going to be videos just to help people um, out because I just feel like the first step in anybody just with finances, a lot of people just don't know where to start. So that is my goal. Now, now the university, because I was I was unfamiliar with that. I mean, that's I think that's an excellent, excellent idea. What what topics would you you know are you going to focus on, and how is that going to be structured? Yeah, so um, the first one would be budgeting because, you know, I find that people need kind of a series of items. So the first uh, topic is like budgeting. So just how to start a budget, how to maintain a budget, how do you even kind of find out what items need to be in your budget. Um, there's also going to be just a whole topic um, session on credit. You know, what does it mean? Um, how do I build it? What do I do if I've been in a bad situation? Um, a lot of people think that they have to go to, like, a company to help fix their credit, and it's more just tips because anything that a company can do, you can do. You know, they don't have any more information about you than you do. Um, so that, um, also just a small segment on couponing. I used to be like an extreme couponer, um, would just, you know, clip on my coupons and saving. Um, so just a range of topics just to kind of help people more so for the how-to, um, because I think a lot of things that stop people is just like knowing where to start. Sure, sure. So will that be set up like through private one-on-one -on -one sessions or, you know, I know you mentioned videos, but what's the, how can people sign up or enroll in this Your Dollars, My Sense University? Yep, so they'll be able to enroll um, starting in April, www.yourdollarsmysense.com. Um, there's a whole site, and they'll just click on the video. Um, it'll be a subscription, so you can subscribe to the video. You don't have to do it long term. It's just really as long as you need it, and I really hope my goal is that you don't need any of my videos or sessions for more than a few months because after that I just really want to basically catapult people into doing it themselves because this is all about kind of self-help and getting there. So um, it will be available in April. And then I do offer one-on-one -on -one counseling, and that's more for the people that are just saying, like, you know what, I, I, I don't want to really necessarily take that step by myself, and I need more of a personal touch. Um, so that's also available on yourdollarsmysense.com. And I do offer um, just free um, – 15-minute 
um, sessions, just a kind of a, a quick check-in just for people to say, you know what, um, let me know. Give me a consultation. I don't know if I really want to work with you yet, and I'm perfectly fine with that because you may not know me. Um, so I'm okay with that too. So I offer three 15-minute consultations also on my website. Excellent. You sound like me. I do a lot of those free consultations for different things. I, I think that's an excellent idea. Um, you, know, I, you know, we live in a but with the economy and, you know, everything going on with the government, this is an excellent time to, to launch that. So, um, in fact, Absolutely. the way I came across, yeah, definitely, you know, I, I came across your uh, your Dollars My Cents videos on the, the Tuesday videos that you did, and I was re- that's what re- really uh, prompted me to reach out to you because you were talking the one that I, the first one that I saw, and I, I subscribed, I enrolled, I, I follow you, you know, I think you give excellent, um, you know, tips and advice. Um, surrounding finances, but the first one I saw was about cable and, you know, di- uh, unplugging from the, the cable provider. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what advice you would give the people paying maybe, you know, three, sometimes $350 a month for, for cable that they're not even watching. Yeah. Oh, man. So, I mean, it was really just kind of like a self-assessment, even in our household, just to say, you know, why are we paying so much for cable? And it was because, you know, usually all of us get sucked in by that introductory rate, um, you know, whether we switch from one provider to another or, you know, we see an advertisement and it's good for one year and then the next thing you know, every six months you're calling trying to get the bill back down because now it's gone to the standard rate. And at one point I looked at our, our, our cable bill and I'm like, we don't even watch the movie channels that we're paying for. We're on Netflix more than we're on our own cable, and we're using our Fire Stick more than we're on our cable. So I, I, I coined it, do a cable audit. So you just take your bill, look at what you're using. If you have a home phone and you're not using it, get rid of it, you know, and if you're not using all of your movie channels, cut them down. So um, at this point in our household, we're down to just Internet, um, and a fire stick and sling. And for us, that's $85 a month. Perfect, you know, and wow, that's, like, is... sufficient for us because we have everything we need, and that cut, you know, our, our cable bill down over half. Yeah, let me tell you, I can 100% co-sign what she's saying, everyone out there listening, because I was in the same boat. I had, I'll tell you, you know, I'll keep it real with you, I had uh, Comcast, I had... All the I had like the top of the line thing, like all the movie channels, like every channel possible. Um, I had like five DVR boxes, you know, one in every room, um, you know, and my bill was like over three hundred dollars with everything. And then same exact thing. I we said, you know, what, we're not doing this anymore. We we cut it out and we watched. We got the Fire Stick, we got Sling TV. I have Netflix and I have Hulu. And I probably pay, like you said, eighty five, you know, hundred bucks tops. Yeah. So yeah. Exactly. I, it's I'm so a, worth I, it. It's absolutely worth it. I mean, you know, and I was just actually telling my parents who are a little bit older, you know, hey, why why do you guys still pay? And maybe this is what you can uh do to cut that bill down because they're not as uh, technologically savvy, so I was just kind of explaining to them, which, I, which is another reason why I think that university and, and your services are something that can, are so important in today's society. Because a lot of people, they may not be familiar with the Fire Stick, or my mom didn't even know what Sling TV was. How did you find out about right. this, you know, this stuff? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, exactly. So let's. Now you mentioned earlier. You mentioned. Uh, Budgeting. You uh, mentioned 
uh, couponing. What are, from your perspective, what are some of the biggest budgeting mistakes, um, singles, but as well as, you know, new couples, newly married, um, you know, couples make and just trying to put together a budget, making sure bills are paid on time? What's the advice you can give in that area? I'd say the biggest one is they don't have a budget. Um, You know, I've run across so many people that will not be able to tell me kind of where their money went. I mean, especially when you pay in cash. Like, I've been there too. Like, you get $100 out the ATM, and, you know, by the end of the day, you have like $20. You're like, where did my money go? So I'd say the biggest common thing is, um, especially if you're single and then going into a relationship um, or, you know, going from being in a relationship to married is just not having that foundation of a budget. So I tell people when it's time for them to get started with that initial budget um, to write things down. And I know it sounds like very old school to like literally get out a pen and paper, but that is the best way to track everything that you're spending. And I say do it for 30 days. Write it down, you know, on a piece of paper. So if you get a coffee, if you get gum, if you're if you love the work ATM or I mean um, work food machine. Um, you know, or you're always getting a soda, write all of that down. And by the time you get to 30 days, you'll have a really good idea of where your money goes. Um, and then you can start founding a, a budget and also looking at things that you don't need. Like, do I really need to buy a Coke every day? Probably not. Um, but you won't realize that you're spending that money on a Coke every day unless you write it down. Mm. Excellent, excellent. I mean, and like you said, that's a great. you got to try it to see what works for you. Um, in fact, one of the things, um, I was just talking to someone recently about with uh, with bank accounts. You know, how do you feel about because um, if you're gonna have a budget and you're gonna pay bills and you know you say you have your money, I have my money. What's the best? What would you recommend for you know couples, you know newlyweds, just trying to figure it out as far as you know what money to put where, saving, um, you know paying bills. You know, do you recommend joint joint bank accounts or how should that work? Whew, now this is a tough one. Um... Because I really feel like uh, this really depends on the couple. So the first thing that I do say is that I think that everybody should at least have their own bank account, regardless of if you have a joint one. Because if you think about someone that's coming from being a, a, a single, um, you you most likely always had your, your own bank account, you know, managed your own um accounts and and fund and funding what regardless of if that was you know good or bad management but you've always had access to your own money so i think that should stay in place now as far as a joint bank account i do think it's a good idea again depending on the people just simply because if you want to have that account for your joint bill where you agree on a monthly basis to say hey you know for our household we will, you know, have our direct deposit, deposit X amount into this account, and that's what we're going to pay our bills from. And then we have our own accounts for things that we want to do, like shopping or date nights and things like that. I think that's fine. Um, the reason why I say I caution it is only because you know how you are. So I'm the type of person, I'm in my bank account three or four times a day. I don't know why. It's just what I, it's just what I do. I can tell you the balance in my bank account before I actually log in. Now, someone else, may not be like that. So I can see myself scrutinizing transactions in a joint bank account. So you just really have to kind of understand how you guys are going to operate to know whether or not that's a good idea. Because you can maintain your own separate bank accounts and still have an idea of 
um, you know, what your bills are and just say, you know what, we're, I'll pay this portion, I'll pay this portion, and it'll just go out of your account because we're also in a world where it's very easy to transfer money between people. So they don't necessarily have to have that joint bank account to pay the bills either. So it just really depends on the couple. And if you don't necessarily trust that the other person will be able to kind of come up with their share, I think that's even a separate issue outside of the joint bank account. It, it, it's definitely, uh, you know, I think that's excellent. You're right. It, it, every couple is different. Every, um, you know, you have to see what works and, you know, in the way you, you described it, it, it makes it seem so simple. But I know you're married and I'm married. I'll be married eight years in, uh, in July. It, it doesn't always work out as, you know, move as smooth as you would like it to. Um, what would you <laughs> right. say? You know, yeah, we, we both know. I mean, it, it, in a perfect world, it, that's how it would go. But I think so. Here's the question What are some of the most common, um, you know, causes of, conflict surrounding money that you've seen, you know, and how can we help avoid some of those conflicts? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, we all know that, you know, money issues is probably like the number one reason for divorce, and it kind of goes back and forth with communication. But um, I, I'd say some of the, the common kind of money mistakes I see is people, for example, always taking on a traditional role in a relationship. So what I mean by that is, saying, you know what, the man handles the finances and, you know, the woman won't, but play to your strengths. You know, if your spouse, um, male or female, is better at one thing, play to your strengths. You know, don't let someone who mismanages money, regardless if they're male or female, you know, kind of take that role if they don't necessarily know what they're doing. So I'd say that's a huge thing. Um, Of course, going into debt as a couple, um, I think that those, like, conversations which are very hard to have because finances are just it's a sensitive subject right so if you're someone who mismanages money you don't necessarily want to come to your new partner to say you know what I've got x amount in debt I don't really pay my bills that's not something that you really want to talk about but I think people just really have to have those tough conversations because when it comes time to making major purchases, um, you may have different money values. So, for example, if a couple is deciding to buy a bedroom set, there may be one person in the relationship that says, you know what, I want us to save up, and then we're going to buy it, where someone else will say, you know what, I want to finance it, and I'm okay with paying interest. So those type of conversations should happen long before you're actually at the purchasing table because that can cause arguments. Um, another one is just keeping secrets, you know, and that's, that's my kind of going back to having that conversation because going into a relationship or even a marriage where you're discovering that your spouse has um, all this debt that they need to pay off will really impact your finances um, going forward where you may not be able to purchase a home together because someone has a blemish on, on their credit that you're just now finding out about or, you know, they're not making as much money as you thought because there's debt collectors coming or they're getting garnishments. So um, that is a, a huge conflict that I see between people and just not having that background on their um, partner. You know, and that's, that's excellent advice. And I think the, the one, the main takeaway is, as, as you mentioned, is communication, you know, just from mm-hmm. a life coaching standpoint, relationship uh, uh, standpoint, myself having done this a while, I see so many relationships and even potentially great relationships fail just because of lack of communication. Like you said, you know, secrets and, you know, you know, not disclosing certain things like, Hey, I have this garnishment. Hey, I have this, 
uh, you know, child support situation going on. And other things, you know, this bill collector is calling me, and the other person thinking, okay, we have this amount of disposable income, and, you know, you get to the, the purchasing table, like you said, for a home or furniture, and you get a whole bunch of surprises, which can obviously cause some, some animosity and, some, you know, some negative feelings. So I, I, I 100% agree with you. In fact, speaking of that, you know, child support, you know, I, I, that just kind of came to me. What would you recommend? Like, say someone has, you know, a child from another relationship prior to the marriage. How would you suggest them handling, you know, a $500, you know, monthly payment or even more? You know, should that be factored into their joint financial situation or, or be kind of kept separate? Absolutely. It should be considered in their joint financial situation, and, and that goes back to your budget. Your budget should include every single thing that comes out of your paycheck, and that could mean um, the child support. So I think as far as, like, you know, whether that person carves it out, I mean, if the ultimate goal is for, you know, two to become one, then, you know, kind of you do assume that financial responsibility of your spouse. Um, so that should be factored into the budget and a, a known item, of course, between parties. Um, you know, and, and again, like you said, you've just got to communicate on those types of things on, you know, being financially responsible with it and, and, and knowing where the money's going to come from. And I think as long as both parties are aware of it up front, then, of course, your budget then is built around it. We know that we're going to be 500 have 500 less each month because this is an obligation that this person will be paying for the next umpteenth years, you know. So as long as people are both aware and, and calculated, I think it can definitely be worked through. Definitely, definitely. It's, it's funny, I think back when I was single, I was dealing with a young woman or getting to know a young woman, and she was saying, yeah, you know, I want to, you know, buy this house. And I said, okay, you know, that's that's cool. And she's like, yeah, um, I mean, you know, would you like to be a homeowner one day? I said, yeah, sure. She's like, um, you know, well, great. Well, how, how, you know, how's your credit? Now, mind you, we had only been, you know, talking a few weeks, if that, um, when she asked me, and I said, you know, my, my credit's fine. It's cool. She's like, well, you know, what do you mean? It, it, it's cool. No, it's okay. I'm just, you know, I, a couple things on there, you know, things I'm working on. Got to get a few things taken care of. She's like, well, you know, but like, like how many things? I'm like, whoa, like, what do you? What do you mean? What do you want to know my right. score? Like, she like, right. well, I, I just need to know. It's like I just need to know because, like, I don't want to date someone with bad credit, and you know, I can't. You know, I I really need to buy this house. I want to buy this house. I, I want to do a lot of things, and you know, someone with bad credit would really hinder me. And she's like, I'm like, all right, well, I'm like, I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like, I'm just saying it's it's okay. There, it's not horrible, but right. there are a few things that you know I'm working on, and um. It, I could tell that she was very, very turned off. I'm like, whoa, you're clearly not the person for me. How would you recommend dealing with someone? Like, would you recommend someone uh, knowingly dealing with someone or move, moving forward in the dating process with someone with, you know, bad credit or potentially damaging credit? I, I mean, I would. I mean, you have to obviously consider consider the source. So, Having bad credit doesn't necessarily mean that the person is a bad person, right? So, I mean, if I think back to how I was in college, like in college I got my first credit card. I had no idea what I was doing. They offered it had a $1,000 credit limit. I signed up. I'm a poor college student making 515 on work study, and now I've got a $1,000 credit card bill. 
And not only did I get that, then I went and got an old Navy store card. I got a gas store card because, you know, when you get to the register, they're like, would you like to save 15%? And I'm like, sure. Well, you know, fast forward, I have all this um, financial obligation. And, again, I'm making 515 on a on a, a work work-study program. So my credit, you know, I had to build my own credit too. So if someone had it came to me as I'd eye, and it wasn't necessarily that because I was irresponsible, it's just because I was not in a place financially to be able to afford what was being given to me. So I'd say my advice is, um, you know, just in dealing with that person, just kind of see where they're at and kind of where it came from. So you really just have to understand kind of the 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 backstory I would say of it. I don't think it should disqualify someone, but now if you see currently, you know, where they where they have they they know about their credit score and they're not doing anything to kind of help and, and raise that score, then I think that's a different picture. But if someone's actively trying to do it because it's not easy, um to raise your 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 credit score, it, it is it is a a long process because um, I I think about credit almost like trust, right? So trust, you you the people in your life that you trust the most, it's taken years to build that trust. But if you start lying to them, it only takes a couple lies and it's broken. And that's the same with credit. You can you can spend all this time doing what you can to work it up, and a couple missed payments, your credit score is dropping. So. Um, that's just kind of how I see it in terms of, you know, getting with that person and and really understanding where they are and then knowing, like, where do they need to move for the next step. I like what you said. You said that someone with a bad credit score doesn't necessarily mean that they are a bad person, which is 100% true. Um, you know, I think I like to think I'm a pretty nice person. Like I said, I had a few issues, you know, back in the day. But like you said, also, I was working on that, and that person is not just sitting around doing nothing. Uh, and it is a lot like trust. You do have to, um, you know, pay, you know, do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. And I think you can, you know, work from there and things will be fine. Unfortunately, in today's society, I see a lot of, uh, I'll say women, but just because I'm obviously a man, but I see, you know, a lot of people, you know, putting finances ahead of, a potentially great partner, and you know, just from a relationship, you know, standpoint, you don't want to do that. Um, you know, as you know, in your the business you're in, you know, probably better than most that you know, credit can be fixed. You know, bank accounts can be fixed, but um, you know, it's very hard to find love. It's very hard to find a partner that you love and can trust and spend the rest of your life with. Um, so, excellent, excellent advice on that. You know, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So staying along those lines of, you know, couples and, um, you know, just building trust, building memories, things like that, you know, I talk a lot about, you know, what I call voluntary time apart, you know, um, a time where, you know, you can just kind of be away from your mate uh, and the importance of that and just kind of doing your own thing and coming back to each other. And that way you you appreciate the, the time you spend together more for date nights and things like that. So what would you recommend? You know, dating can be expensive. You know, quality time can be a lot, um, you know, in, in the way of budgeting. What are some cost-effective um, but still romantic ways that couples can get that intimacy time in? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, 
if I think about, I mean, I know we're dead in winter, but I, I don't know about anybody else. I am praying for summer, but <laughs> if I think about some of the things that you can do in the summertime, um, go on a picnic, right? Most of us have parks um, in the areas that we live that are beautiful. Usually parks are set up in beautiful landscapes. They've got trees, benches. Go to the park and eat lunch together, pack a lunch and go to the park. You know, that's usually a free thing. Like my husband and I used to work downtown and we used to meet at lunch um, in the middle of the day and go sit by the waterside and just eat our lunches. Like, I think that is just like, it's just very nice. It's romantic. It's the way that people, you know, your whole point in, in dating or going out is to really reconnect. And that's a time that you can talk, you know, whether you're people watching or, you know, watching squirrels in the park, like that's such a good, cheap way um, to connect. And I mean, if I'm thinking about um, Philadelphia um, in general, like we have so many free things. You can go see the Liberty Bell. You can go downtown. You can go to Morgan's Pier by um, Penn's Landing. Like there's so many landscapes and, um, you know, historical landmarks here that you can go. And, and every city has something like that. Um, another suggestion for the colder months right now, um, Groupon. Groupon is still your best friend. So are coupons, you know, whether it be like a two-for-one um, type of deal or a discount. Um, I'm thinking about like, you know, when we have friends out out of from out of town and we want to do something as a couple, like we'll go and we're like, okay, well, who has like discount bowling? Because I don't know when bowling got so expensive, but it's it's crazy. <laughs> so it's like we look for deals like that. And there's also um, some some towns have five dollar movie nights because most people are going to the movies on the weekend. But if you break out on like a Tuesday night, some movie theaters have five dollar movies. Like that's great also, and it's very inexpensive. And again, just a way for couples to connect and have a good time, but also not break the bank. Key now, like you said, you gotta like you said. I'm from Philadelphia. A lot of my listeners are in Philly, different places. If you if you're not from here. You know, we have a place called Penn's Landing. It's you know, you can, it's very romantic at night, nice summer, spring evening, overlook the water and just kind of hang out. Um, you know, stuff like that. You don't have to necessarily be spending, you know, valet parking and you know, five star dining every single night. Um, it's all it's all about spending that quality time uh, together. Now, one, exactly. Well, actually, I two questions. Yeah. So two questions, please. The first one is. I over the years they are there are very few I'll put it like this there are few very few topics that I've talked about more than this right here which is dating and and specifically who should pay for that date you know who should you know nowadays we live in a society where the the waiters and waitresses have become politically correct and they will place that that bill right in the middle as opposed to back in the day where they would give it to the man or, you know, something like that. They'll kind of just place it uh, in the center and, and you're ready to pay, you can pay. From from a credit counselor, a finance specialist uh, perspective, you know, what's what would you recommend? What's a good way to avoid conflict, you know, early in the dating process as far as paying for the date goes? So I know that this is probably not going to be highly favored, um, but I'll give the perfect example. When my husband and I met way back in 2007, um, our first date was at Applebee's, and um, it, the bill came, and I reached for it. And I was like, hey, you know, do you want me to pay half? Do you want me to pay my portion? And he's like, no, 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 no. But later on, he was like, you know, that's what really set you apart. 
And the reason why I've always thought like that is because I'm eating too. You know, I don't know why there's this expectation that someone else should always pay, you know, and I'm saying it's not that it's not nice to be treated or to taken out, but, you know, and even for choice of restaurant, you know, you should definitely go to a place that you would also feel comfortable paying for because I think that's fair, you know, and especially if the whole point in the date is to get to know someone, um, get to know about them, you don't know their financial picture, nor do they know yours. So, you know, I, I don't think that we should put those expectations on people that they always, you know, a certain party in the relationship should always have to pay um, because if you're doing your part financially, you should have the means to pay as well, you know. So um, I, I, that's just kind of how I, I view it. <laughs> um, to avoid conflict, I think everyone should always become um, come prepared to pay, and that, that to me is just fair as, as people. You wouldn't go to dinner with your best friend, and when the bill comes, just sit back and wait for her to pay, you know. You guys would always um, either talk about it beforehand, you'd go Dutch, um, you would do something like that. So I don't know why you would – um, expect a stranger um, to do something that you wouldn't expect your best friend to do. Absolutely. I mean, I've been I've been literally having this debate, you know, this conversation for the last, you know, at least ten years here on this show. But then even, you know, for many many years prior to that, just you know, talking to different women, different situations, and um, you know, and let me just say this for for my newer listeners for people who may be tuning in for the first time and may not be familiar with my views, you know, on this particular topic. As a man, you know, I always I was taught that, you know, you always are prepared to pay as a gentleman, as a man. You will – it's your responsibility as a man to make sure that bill is uh, is taken care of, you know. And that's a period. There's no but there. That's that's what I believe. I believe a man should um, should be prepared to pay and should, and should actually pay. Um, but that's not, you know, when we have these debates, you know, it, that's not what, it, that's not what it's about for me. For me, it's about really what you have and what you just discussed. You're a wife, you know. You, your husband told you that you, you know, that's what set you apart. You reaching for that check is what showed him that you were special and different from other women that he'd come in contact with. And so, I think that's what needs to be the takeaway. It's not about who should pay, it's about how do you as a woman want to be viewed by that man? Do you want to be viewed as, you know, the same way he views, you know, countless other women that he's going on first dates with? Or do you want to be viewed as special? Do you want to stand apart, set, set yourself aside from the rest of these women who may be selfish or gold diggers or things like that? And do you want to ultimately get that ring at the, you know, at the end of the dating process like you did, like my wife did? And I'll just tell a brief story. You know, many of you guys out there listening have heard this story, but for the sake of today's show, I'll share it again. You know, I have a very similar story. Uh, you know, I was dating my wife. Uh, you know, we, we went out to Fridays, actually. And, um, you know, we had a conversation prior to that um, where I think she had just gotten a promotion at work. And, you know, she was telling me about it. I said, wow, you know, congratulations. You know, dinner on you. You know, now, I was just joking. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was just a little joke. But she said, "No, oh, that's fine. You know, that's you know, that's no problem. Okay, you know, where, where do you want to go?" I was like, "No, I'm just, I'm just playing with you." And she said, "No, that's fine. Come on, we'll go." I said, "Well, I like Fridays ribs," and she said, "Cool, we'll go to Fridays." So we went to Fridays, and I still had, you know, every intention, you know, on picking up that check. But you know, long story short, the bill came, and just as you did, uh, she reached for the check because that was, you know, the agreement. I said, "No, no, I, you know, here, I got that." 
and, you know, and we kind of went back and forth a little bit. She said, no, I, I, you know, I got this one. And so from that point, that kind of is what set her apart. It's kind of what said to me, you know, you're special and you're, you're different from these other women. And so, you know, we, like I said, we'll be married for uh, eight years uh, in July. And so I just like sharing those types of stories uh, because as I talk to men, friends and, you know, acquaintances that I, that I come in contact with, the vast majority of men, I'm really talking to the ladies right now. Ladies, listen. You know, you're talking to a married man. You're listening to a, uh, a, a married woman. And we basically have the, the same exact story for that first date, for that early date. And it's not, it's not a coincidence. That's how men will view you um, if, if you do something that's, that's different, that stands out from, uh, from, from the crowd. So I thank you for, uh, for sharing that story. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's excellent advice. Yeah, now, yeah. Let's, so let's, let's, talk, let's switch, uh, switch gears a little bit. When you think about, you know, because obviously we all want to build money, um, you know, build income, to have more disposable income. Um, what do you think about investments? How can couples pool their resources together? You know, I mean, say you work a nine-to-five, you know, but you have some extra money. What are some things that you can, you know, how can you, how can you flip that? How, what are some smart, low-risk investments that couples can do together? Yeah, so, I mean, you definitely have to figure out, obviously, kind of what your thoughts are. I mean, my advice is always to diversify, right? You don't want to put all of your eggs in one basket. So, um, you know, and, and, and in the same kind of token, you want to have ultimately have multiple income streams. So if you have multiple income streams, it means that you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. So, I mean, I think couples, if they have a interest, right? So um, my husband and I, like, we like T-shirts. So start a T-shirt business, you know, um, real estate. Um, you know, that's always a, a good one to get um, income. If you can get rental income, that's a, a great form of making money in your sleep, as they say, because you have rental income um, in. You know, if you're comfortable with um, certain stocks out here and you do your research, um, definitely, you know, enter into the stock market. You know, put some money into the stock market. So, I mean, there's so many different avenues, um, I think, and of course, just people just need to make sure that they're um, comfortable because with any investment, you know, no matter how safe, nothing is a sure bet, you know, so you just have to make sure that you do your due diligence, everyone is comfortable, and then you you go for it because um, at the same time, I think what we all do know is that with interest rates being what they are in your savings account, um, it's, you know, your money's not going to grow but so much in the in, in your savings account, you know. So, you, you, you know, you will have to make some sort of, uh, take some sort of a risk um, in order to get um, the reward back, you know, and that kind of increases. Your, your risk profile really um, increases um, just as much as your income profile increases as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you, you got to invest. I always tell people that, you know, it's all about what you want. Like, you're okay working a nine-to-five job and, having a specific amount of money going into the accounts every every week, every two weeks. I mean, you know, that's fine, but you're not going to get rich like that. You're not really going to, you know, excel like that maybe, you know, the way you may like to. So I always say, in fact, I read somewhere where, where someone was saying, you know, maybe try to live off, if you have two salaries, you know, maybe try to just live off of one and, and invest the vast majority of the other. And if you can do that and still survive, that's how you can really, really build a lot of, you know, a big savings account, 
do some things that you really want to do, like, you know, like get a, an investment property or, um, and I'll, you know, you guys know me, I sell cars. I'm a car dealer also. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've been doing that for about 10 years now. And I've seen, just since I've been in the business, I've seen so many couples now taking, you know, getting their money together and buying a car, you know, taking a car that they may spend $1,000 for and sell that car for 2000 you know, split yep. the money, save the money, and reinvest that money and just keep it going. I mean, you don't have, I, I mean, I sell about four to five cars a week, but even if you sell one or two cars a month, you know what I mean, that's still an extra couple thousand a month or at least I would say minimum five to six hundred dollars a month. So that might be, you know, a new car note. Uh, or, or you know, a vacation or whatever you want to save for, um, you know, in the future. In fact, speaking of which, you know, car notes, do you recommend that? Like, I'm sure you see a lot of conversation about, uh, you know, getting that new Mercedes that might have a $400, you know, uh, it might be another $400 car note. Um, you got your full coverage insurance you got to have on it. So you, people are out here paying $1,000 a month just to drive a car. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so, I mean, this goes back to your budget, right? There is nothing wrong with driving a nice car, you know, wanting a new, brand-new car. Um, but in the same sense, it really just depends on what your financial goals are, right? You don't necessarily want to be what I call car poor, and that's where all your money, um, you know, any extra dime you have is going to your car payment or going to your insurance because it's a brand-new car. So if your goals are, you know, I don't really necessarily care about having the newest, latest, greatest car, then ride your current car until the wheels fall off because, you know, it's great not having a car payment. Um, You know, now obviously you may have to deal with maintenance, which is the benefit of having a new car. Um, The other thing that's kind of in between is you can also lease. So, Yes, a lease, you know, you don't own the car, you know, it's not yours, but most lease payments are very cheap. And I'll give you an example. I leased a Camry. It was $79 a month, $79 a month. There was no way, any other way I was going to get into a brand new car for $79 a month. And so that financially made the most sense for me because I'm like, you know what, for $79 a month, I can do this, you know, and have a brand new car because at the time, my older car was breaking down and I didn't have a car payment, but it was really expensive to keep upgrading, you know, in the maintenance. So I'm like, you know what, sell the car. I sold my car. I used the money from the sales as my down payment for my lease. And then my, my car was $79 a month, you know, and that lasted for two years, which was great for me because all of the money that I was saving um, by not having maintenance, but also not having this, you know, gigantic car payment really worked out for me. So that's my suggestion is just it really depends on where your financial goals are in terms of kind of what path you want to take. Um, but I definitely don't agree with being um, car poor. It just, it just does not make sense. I would have to, just being in the automotive industry myself, I would definitely have to agree with you that being car poor is, is what I see so much of. Um, I see people out there. You know, buy, see, I, I go to the auction where the dealers get their cars from. So they'll buy a car for, you know, five thousand dollars, six thousand dollars, and then they'll put you into a car note for twenty-four thousand dollars. You know, and they're you're paying them, you know, five hundred dollars a month because your credit may have have some some challenges on it. And then, but they got that car for five thousand. You could have saved five thousand and gone to a you know a public auction yourself and bought that same exact car. 
you know, for the price that they bought it. Um, and then, you know, instead of paying literally like about a thousand, because they make sure you have that the best insurance. They make sure they jack up your your car uh, note payment as high as they possibly can. So don't let a bad credit score make you think you have to pay all this extra money. You know, like you said, you're paying seventy nine dollars a month for a brand new car. You know, that's mm-hmm. you know, leasing is definitely something I think community are not as knowledgeable about and haven't been as educated about um as we should be. Would you would you agree with that? Oh, I completely agree. Like it's just something that I feel like people don't even know is an option. You know, you don't have to go in and buy the car. You can lease it. Um, that's what a lot of people um, do, and it just helps you get that lower payment. You're still in the car you want. I mean, some people do it because they just want, you know, the options of having the newest car um, every couple of years, and there's nothing wrong with that either. You know, if, you're, if you know you're someone that gets bored and you want something new, that's great. But, I mean, the other side of it is just having – um, the ability to have a car that's that's new, but also not paying because um, in a in a lease you're basically paying the depreciation. That's all you're paying on the car, and that's why they're able to give it to you for so much cheaper than someone who's going to buy it outright. All right, excellent. Listen up, guys. This is excellent, excellent uh, advice that's being given. Um, you know, and real quick, shout out to the people listening. You know, all over, uh, however you're listening on your cell phones or iTunes or Blog Talk Radio. I see some people tuned in on uh, Facebook Live. So shout out to everybody tuning in, however you're uh, tuning in. Now, real quick, I want to go back to a point you made uh, a few minutes ago about credit cards and specifically credit cards that are, you know, offered to you in college. You know, they say, I remember it got me when I, my freshman year. They said, you know. We'll give you this T-shirt. We'll give you some goodies, this little goodie bag if you just sign up for a card. I'm like, oh, you know, sure. But, you know, you know, things happen. You want to take this road trip. You want to buy this outfit. Next thing you know, you've got $1,000 in debt or more, you know, in your, you know, when you're 17 years old, 18 years old. So what, you know, because I have a lot of list, younger listeners, what's the advice you'd give to them to avoid that early on in their uh, adult life? I mean, I would say the the best advice is don't get one until you actually need it Um, because I think what we all don't know is that you don't need a a credit card to establish credit. You know, you can get a secured card, um, which is essentially you put out your own money. Um, So just say if the deposit amount is $200, and so it's your money, and then you manage that money, and that will also build your credit. So you don't necessarily have to get a credit card, you know, to start you off. Um, But as far as um, when you actually get one, um, I would say the biggest trap that I fell in is once you do start making payments, the credit card companies want to raise your credit limit, right? And you're all excited because now you're like, wow, now I can get more. Well, pretty soon they're going to raise it to a limit where your income doesn't, you know, your income can't keep up. So I would say just because they want to raise it, you don't have to accept a, a, a credit limit increase. You can say, you know what, no. I can pay off $1,000, no problem. Um, that's where I want this to stay. And that's like a huge thing because you can't go over a certain amount, you know. So if you know that $1,000 or 2500 or 500 is your limit, stay there. Um, don't, don't feel like you have to um, go up. And then I also think just not maintaining multiple credit cards, right? So I can give an example in my life. I have one credit card, one, my husband and I. We have a joint credit card. 
Um, that's what I use for all my purchases. And my main point in using that is for points. Um, and I know the credit card companies get mad at me because I'm, I, I don't keep a balance to where I pay any interest. I do not pay any interest. And that's another common misconception that you have to maintain a balance or pay interest in order for your credit to increase. No, your credit increases, your credit score increases because you pay your bills on time. So um, that's, that's another thing, you know. So just use the credit card. Don't let the credit card use you. <laughs> so I think that's, that's a huge uh, tip out there. That's I like I like that. I might even have to use this one. Don't let it use it. Don't let it use you, because you know that's what happens. They get you. You know you you say and you get. I think what what happened with me one time when I was in college, like I wasn't working. I was in school. I wasn't, but I was didn't have a job at that time. So oh, you know, I, I just kind of lived on the credit card. Um, you know, and which a lot of people do. You know, and you, you know you mm-hmm. make the payments, but either you're not paying on time or your balance. You end up paying more. Um, and, and you know, and so you, you are paying interest on a monthly basis, and it's just it gets out of control. You just keep buying and buying and buying, and they keep raising your limit, and next thing you know, you've got five, ten thousand dollars in debt. So, like you said, don't get it until you use it, and when you use it, just you know, just pay it off. Exactly. You know, yep. Just act, treat it like a debit card. There you go. Well, one of the last points I want to, one of the last topics that I want to um, kind of get your perspective on is um like I said earlier this is this is tax season and you know you see what I just want to pick your brain a little bit what are some common mistakes uh what are some maybe do's and don'ts for you know filing taxes maybe filing single versus married filing you know single or married filing joint or just you know what what do you find to be the most common um topics around um tax season Yeah, so I would say um, one of the common mistakes is not planning for tax season. So even when you go, um, for example, if you you do have an employer and you work, um, you know, a nine-to-five and you go out to fill your W-4 form and you take too many exemptions or, you know, not enough exemptions. So if you take too many, that means you're likely to owe um, at the end of the year. And if you um, don't take enough, then um, it's likely you'll get a big refund check, which is basically just giving the government like an interest-free loan. Um, So I think you just really have to make sure that you plan for tax season. So if you're an entrepreneur, um, some of that planning is making sure you have your receipts. Um, This year, especially with the tax law changing, um, I don't, it's very complex. I don't even know the impact at this point of what our 2019 is going to look like. So I think just making sure that you keep all your receipts and make sure that you are still going to get credit for every expense. If you had medical expenses, like keep that documentation because if you're not, um, you know, keeping that information in order when it comes time to file, like you're not going to get credit for a lot of the things that you pay out. Um, as far as taxes and do's and don'ts, um, my biggest don't is don't spend the money before you get it. You know, so you, oh, I think I'm going to get a refund of X amount. So now, you know, you're out here living it up. Um, again, with, like I said, with 2019 being completely different in, in, in federal tax law, you don't know what you're going to get back. You know, maybe, maybe it will be more, but maybe it's less. Um, and other things just like, now that you have this lump sum of money, like people go and blow it on like the hottest stock. So, you know, Bitcoin's been all over and people are like, oh, I'm going to go out and buy Bitcoin. And they haven't done any information or knowing, you know, but it's just because they have that, you know, lump sum at their disposal, they'll go out and do it. Um, Putting it in your checking account, right? So when you put it 
in your checking account instead of maybe your savings account, it's accessible. So it's ready for you to spend, and, and that's what you're going to do. Um, and the other thing I say is, like, putting it, um, blowing it on a vacation. Now, there's nothing wrong with, you know, taking some of that money and putting it on a vacation, but you also have to turn to the left and say, well, do I also have $5,000 worth of credit card debt? So does it make sense to take this amount of money that I didn't have and blow it on something when I can actually be paying down? I can pay down my mortgage. I can pay down my credit card debt, you know, things like that. And then I'd say the very last one is, um, that people probably forget about or maybe don't even realize that they're doing, bragging about it. Oh, I'm getting such and such. Well, you know what? Now you've just opened yourself up to get um, to have everyone have, with their hand out saying, well, I know so-and-so has two kids and she's getting X, Y, Z. Now you've got, you know, loans and you've got people looking in and checking on you. So just keep it to yourself, you know. Like everyone's household should be a private matter, what you do with your finances and your taxes. Keep that in your household. Keep that to yourself. Somebody just got robbed. I don't know if you heard the young woman got robbed. She was bragging yes. about her. You know, I think she was getting like 5000 They plotted on her. And so, you know, like you said, just keep that to yourself. Everyone doesn't need to know. Um, and that's that's excellent advice. Don't spend it uh, that money before you have it. You know, get the money in your hand, plan what you want to do, and, you know, budget and, uh, you know, kind of go from there. Now, you mentioned Bitcoin. Now a lot everyone's talking about Bitcoin. Just for my listeners out there, um, what first of all, if you could just explain to the people, you know, one, what is Bitcoin, uh, and then two, what um, you know should people be investing in? I've seen a lot of ups and downs uh, with it lately as far as the value goes. I mean, what would your recommendation be? So Bitcoin, it's a cryptocurrency, and for me personally, it's very confusing. And I know that there's people out here that say, yes, it's the wave, it's the new thing. But for me, and as far as like how we talked about investments for our households, I can't invest in anything that I don't understand. And I don't understand it. I don't understand how it works. Yes, I see the ATM, you know, the machines in there. We can get it out. I know that people can use it. But it's still very complex for me. So for me, I'm just like, you know what, it's not something that I'm interested in. But if you are interested in investing, I would say do your research. You know, don't let um, social media or, you know, Netflix documentaries guide your decision more than you going and finding out information on your own. Because, of course, there are people getting rich, but you have to remember a lot of these people had Bitcoin when, you know, like it's almost like, people that had stocks in Google when no one knew about Google. So you have to remember that now knew about Bitcoin a long, long time ago before, you know, some of us that might be jumping in when the market's already high, now it's volatile. So you just have to be really careful. You know, don't let the buzzword, um, and this is for Bitcoin or anything, don't let a buzzword um, get you investing into something that you don't understand. That's, that's excellent. I'm be honest with you. If you don't understand it, I definitely don't understand. I'm staying far away from you. You're <laughs> very knowledgeable. So listen, if she if it's confusing to her, my advice would be take your time with it. Like you said, do your research. But I'm staying far away from Bitcoin. I don't really, you know, I I know certain things about. It. I've done some research, but no, nah, it's it's not for me at this at at this point. Um. Let me ask you one, one last question. Can I, first of all, I really appreciate your time here. You've been very uh, informative, um, just very transparent. So I thank you for that. I'm sure my listeners thank you uh, for that. One last question, though. Um, you know, we, we're seeing a, a big upheaval, uh, so to speak, 
you know, in the government. You know, Donald Trump has put some new, um, you know, this whole new tax, um, what's the word? Um, you know, it's just a, an upheaval kind of, you know, it's a, a lot of changes are happening with the uh, child tax credits. What are your thoughts? I mean, are, are the changes that we're seeing in the government surrounding taxes and tax credits, um, from your perspective, is that good? I mean, should we be concerned? What are your thoughts? So, I mean, I think that some of them are good. Um, like if I can give for an example, at the beginning of the year, um, the tax rates changed, and most people probably would have noticed a small bump in their paycheck. You know, I won't say that they're good in every way, because then if we think about our neighbors in New Jersey, where they're putting a $10,000 limit on real estate and property tax, you know, and that's, that's huge for New Jersey, because they, you know, they pay a lot more in um, property tax than some of us do in Philadelphia. So, I mean, I think it's going to vary based on your personal household. Um, so some of it's good, some of it's not so good, and of course some of it benefits more than others, which is any tax law, you know. But um, I, I have seen personally just um, different impacts for me, but I'm really waiting to see, like, once everything is finalized and the dust has settled, like, kind of what it means to me, because I know that now there's the proposed, like, where it's just a flat rate, um, you know, so we'll see. It's really like in 2019 when we go to file our taxes, like, is this better for me? I think that's when we'll really see. Gotcha. I'll be looking. I mean, like you said, I think it's going to vary from person to person depending on what your situation is. I know some people are very happy about these tax cuts. Other people, you know, they're, they're experiencing some challenges as a result of them. So um, I agree the next few years will be key in, in just kind of looking to see how it affects uh, it affects you. So, you know, we're exactly. telling you, tell, tell everyone, like I said, I thank you for, for being here. I know you're a busy woman. You have a lot of things to do, and um, so we're going to be respectful of your time. But, you know, let everyone know, you know, where where can they enroll in uh, your uh, your Dollars My Cents University? Uh, where can they check your uh, Tuesday videos out? And what's the best way to get in contact with you if they want to set up that uh, free consultation or one-on-one uh, uh, counseling? Okay, so um, I'm on Your Dollars, My Cents, um, just like the name. So it's Your Dollars, My Cents, but not Cents, um, C-E-N, um, Cents, S-E-N-S-E. Um, so you can follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facetation. That's where Your Dollars, My Cents University will be available um, starting in April. Um, you know, but like I said, come back for my Tip Tuesdays. I mean, all the information, obviously, that's on my social media is, is very much free. Knowledge is power. So please, um, and if you like it, share it, because um, I think as many people that can know some of these tips is the more people that I feel like I'm helping, and that's my overall agenda. Excellent. Well, again, thank you so much for being in. If you don't mind, I'd love to have you back sometime to pick your brain on some, you know, some other financial topics. Oh, absolutely. And just thank you so much for having me. I mean, I've been a listener since, gosh, probably like over 10 years. So I just really appreciate you um, having me. Um, and, you know, thanks for your listeners for tuning in today. Stop it. No, you haven't. You haven't been listening the whole time. Are you serious? I've. I promise you, yes, yes. I mean, I could probably go back to post from 2008, I promise you. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Yes. It's interesting. I don't, I don't know you, but I feel like I know you because, like I said, I've known of you and I've seen you on the post and, you know, following the show for literally, you know, at least 10 years. So it's great to finally speak with you. And um, 
like I said, we'll definitely be uh, speaking in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Guys, um, again, that was uh, CPA and many other things uh, with Tonia Evans. Check her out on Instagram, as she said, Facebook. Um, set up, you know, if, you, if you're in need of uh, counseling or, uh, you know, any type of financial tips, credit uh, advice, reach out to her. As you uh, just heard, very, very knowledgeable um, and, and just really willing to, to again, uh, and I'm going to wrap it up today, guys. That's my show for today, so I'm not going to hold you all up. I'm not going to be here for two or three hours like many of you guys have heard from me in the past. But I just wanted to, you know, do the, you know, step outside of the box a little bit um, with this show on, on finances and credit because it, it is important, you know. And um, with this new format, you know, going back to where we started, you know, over 10 years ago when I th- started out Thursday nights at 9, now I'm back every Thursday at, at noon. Um, I just want to try to – I've done – I've talked about everything. I've seen like I've talked about everything there's possibly to talk about. So just want to try to find new and creative topics um, that are able to help as well as uh, entertain. So follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram. Everything is at uh, Daydon Tolbert. Subscribe on YouTube, which is uh, at Ask Daydon. Um, you know, if you want to set up a free consultation with me, ask Daydon at Gmail. And um, I thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next time.
Motivated you, girl. Date on be your motivation. 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 Date on be your motivation.